Hello and welcome to Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that looks at the psychological and emotional components of endurance sports and how they impact performance. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. And this episode, we're going to bring back uh, an episode that we did with Carrie Cheadle. Carrie is a world-renowned mental skills coach. Uh, We recorded an episode with her uh, May 12th of 2020. And I want to bring this episode back uh, for a few reasons. One, uh, very simply, we have uh, lots of new listeners uh, and people tuning into the podcast uh, in uh, over the last year. Uh, and this episode is really, really valuable, and, and Carrie provides uh, a, a ton of insight. And so I think it's it's worth listening to. And I think uh, a lot of folks uh, who have just joined us recently. Uh, or in the last year may have not had a chance to listen to this. So I want to bring it back uh, for that reason, you know, because I think it's valuable. Uh, and I think um, whether you've listened to it before or you're just coming to the podcast, um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be really insightful. Uh, secondly, I think it's important to to revisit our perspective um, and just because we have uh, read something before or listened to it before, um, m- maybe we shouldn't be. Um, uh, it doesn't mean that we're we're done with that uh, that thing. We're, we're not done with that information. I think that there's real value in uh, in carrying uh, our perspective forward and, and revisiting things that have uh, that have impacted us. Um, in the past and, and seeing how we can apply those things to our current situation uh, and the future. And, and that's really the case and why I, uh, I wanted to bring this, this uh, or re-air this episode is because I've been doing a lot of that lately and thinking about how uh, we can apply what we learned in the past to, uh, to where we're at now. And so when Carrie and I were talking uh, during this episode, uh, we were fairly new uh, into uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. We were talking about race cancellations. Um, We were talking about how that's impacted our athletic identity, uh, our mental state, our physical performance. But overarchingly, there are lots of takeaways. And I found myself listening to this episode and really thinking about how I've taken those skills, that toolbox, those uh, those things that, that Carrie and I discussed and the, and, and the way that that manifested itself in conversations I've had with, um, with our coaching team, with athletes, with, with uh, people from a variety of different disciplines and backgrounds over the last uh, year and a half, how I've applied those to match my current circumstances or, or our current cir- circumstances as a society and uh, how there's still a, a ton of application. So I, I'll encourage you to listen to this. And while we'll touch on the pandemic and, and our situations are not uh, not the same, we are uh, moving out of, uh, certainly from a severity perspective, um, moving away from where we were at uh, in May of last year. Um, there's still challenges there's still uh, closures, there's still disruption, but it is different. And so the language that Carrie and I are using may not be uh, exactly the same as the language that we would use now, but pay attention to the circumstances and the scenarios and the mindset. And that's what I found was most uh, applicable was that those things really remain the same. Um, and there's a few points I want to I touch on. One is that that stress, while it's not the same as it was last year, um, there are still a tremendous amount of stressors in our lives, and we're still de- dealing with very, very dynamic circumstances. And so stress, uh, even though it's not the same, it's it's still there, and that's going to impact us. Um, and that how we deal with that stress becomes very, very important in our longevity as um as individuals, but also as athletes and the goals that we hope to accomplish. Um, and that really the role of sport is that it uh, adds value um, and, and not stress. And so that's one of the, the key things that I picked up on uh, in this conversation was just that nuance between balance 
um, and, and stressors in our life, the weight that that stress carries, um, and how we execute um, from an athletic perspective. Uh, we also talk about resiliency, uh, and that's one of uh, Carrie's areas of expertise. But resiliency is, is as important now uh, as it's ever been. Uh, we're, we're, you know, a year plus uh, into a cumulative experience uh, that we've all dealt with in a variety of different ways. And so there's a weight to that. And there's a certain amount of resiliency that is critical and has to be built um, to be able to continue to move forward. And so, you know, whether, um, you know, we could substitute race cancellations um, that Carrie and I touched on in this episode, which were specific to that time period, we could replace that with... um, what it's like to 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 be going back to uh, in-person uh, work or in-person um, uh, obligations. Uh, we we got used to and adapted to a certain style of life and a way of living that is now being changed again for for many of us. So, you know, maybe that's in-person work. Maybe that's dealing with uh, some of the economic struggles that this um, that this. Uh, uh, pandemic and and ultimately um, just the scenarios that that's presented to us. Um, maybe that's dealing with some of the economic challenges that that's delivered to so many people uh, across the world. Um, so so stress is stress, and and so um, work to or think about how to substitute some of the specific language that that Carrie and I are using, but how how can we shift that language to to still apply to the stress that we're dealing with today? Because it's still there. Um, and I'm talking to to coaches and athletes every day that are still really struggling with uh, managing stress in relation to athletic performance. So that's a big one. Um, and I think that there there's a real opportunity for a reapplication of this uh, this conversation into, uh, what we're dealing with. Um, also, Carrie uh, and I talk about viewing challenges as opportunities and how when we remove uh, the expectation that perfection is the goal, we can really start to uncover our full potential. And I think now more than ever, uh, on the other side of this, as races come back online, as we start to really re-engage and dive back into our athletic um, pursuits, uh, our social uh, commitments, uh, how we interact with our uh, our uh, coworkers and our careers. Um, we're we're so often um, in a position where we're rushing to quote unquote make up for for the last year or year and a half, and so that's adding a lot of pressure, and that's adding a very very high level. Uh, of expectation that perfection is the goal, whether it's from uh, a workout execution perspective, career, family, uh, our social calendar, uh, any and all of these things. And of course, perfection is not the goal. We have to provide um, the opportunity for us to have space, to have some grace, to understand when it's important to listen to our bodies, to listen to our mental and emotional feedback loops. Um, and so that's now, uh, again, uh, as important as it as it's ever been, and maybe more so as as we're adding more to our plates uh, as we look to to understand how to kind of reintegrate um, a lot of these things that we were forced to put on the back burner uh, over the last uh, year or so. Um, and uh, Carrie talks about how to define your, your uh, operating manual for operating performance. And what that really means is how do we make it, how do we think about things through the lens that is right for us. So it's not about what the person beside us is doing. It's about what works for us. And that's that's important when uh, it's between the conversations between a coach and an athlete. Also important uh, when we're comparing ourselves to other people's career performance, how they perform uh, or carve out space in their family life, um, how they're excelling in um uh, in their, uh, their career trajectory, whatever it is, um, it's important to understand our operating manual. And that for me as a coach is so critical that, that I want to work with, and I want to work to understand the individual and what works for that athlete. And that path is going to be very different, um, than the person beside them, um, in whatever application, uh, that is. Um, and then, 
uh, we touch on expectations and deliberately adjusting those to uh, to set ourselves up for success. So lots of the concepts that we have talked about over the last year on this podcast, uh, process, performance, outcome goals, expectations, athletic identity, uh, balance, sustainability, um, this resiliency. Carrie uh, brings all of this to the forefront through uh, her expertise in this field. Um, And that's why I wanted to come back to this, because when I was listening to it, I realized that there was so much of value, even though some of the language has shifted, um, what we're seeing is just overarching um, uh, application of these skills and these mindset tools and this self-acceptance to where we're at now. And again, stress is stress. And so even though it's been substituted with with other things and the language we use to describe our scenarios, surroundings, and stress are different, uh, it's still there. Uh, and it still is something we need to uh, to be cognizant of. So um, I hope that you'll look at this. If you've already listened to this episode, please listen to it with fresh ears um, and look at your surroundings, your stress, your scenarios, your goals with fresh eyes. If you're new to the podcast, um, I hope you'll enjoy this and take away from it the overarching concepts that are still so uh, applicable to where we're at. And, and honestly, no matter where we're at in our kind of journey as athletes, our social um, settings, our, our, you know, kind of global circumstances, however those manifest themselves over the years, what Carrie and I talk about um, will always be able uh, to be applied to, to what we hope to accomplish uh, as athletes. So um, I hope you enjoy this um, this re-airing of my conversation with Carrie Cheadle. As always, uh, for any resources, uh, support, tools to help you uh, navigate all of the dynamics of the athlete experience, uh, please visit uh, thomasendurancecoaching.com. Uh, we are here to help you uh, in any way we can uh, to support uh, your goals and help you navigate uh, all of the nuances uh, of, uh, of being an athlete. So thanks as always for joining. Uh, please enjoy my conversation uh, with Carrie Cheadle. How are, how are you doing? How's it, how's it been to, to navigate um, uh, a global pandemic? <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's been fascinating in so many ways and challenging in so many ways too. Um, you know, it's, it's funny too. I'll ask people like I've, just, I've started to ask them sort of similar to um, when people are dealing with uh, injury and they get asked questions a lot about like, oh, oh my gosh, what happened? How's it going? How are you doing? Now I'm asking people, well, how are you doing today? Because I know for me, it hits me in waves, like the emotional sort of response, um, just like the injured athletes, like it comes for me personally, it comes in waves where most days I'm like excited about the ways I'm being challenged to pivot and, and really grateful in the ways I can help people right now. And, um, and excited for things that the ways that I think this is actually going to be an opportunity for me and in kind of thinking through some of my future goals, there's so many things to be grateful for. And then other days where I'm bawling because I found out my favorite ice cream place um is going out of business <laughs> frantically yeah. trying to buy up all the pints I can you know so just it depends on the day but um so it's yeah it's been but it's been fascinating to both go through my own experience while also helping other people navigate their experiences through it and getting the opportunity to see the different ways we're being challenged to be resilient and the different ways that we're having to pivot and the different stressors people are, are just being faced with right now. It's, it's been, um, quite powerful really. Yeah. Do I find that, uh, or, or I have found that there's, um, kind of a, a real opportunity for kind of a level of, of honesty with, I think, people that we're, we have interactions with, you know, as, as, as coaches, you know, maybe it's on the app, you know, from a coach to an athlete or whether it's, um, you know, family members, or I think maybe anybody we, we talk to during all this year, I've found myself being like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling too. Like, this is how I'm dealing with, you know, like in versus coming at it from kind of a, 
more of like a top down or, you know, like an expert mm-hmm. talking to, I don't know, do you, do you feel that kind of, I don't know, maybe it's a vulnerability or just kind of an openness. Do you feel like that's increased or, or you know, is more transparent with all this? I do in some ways. I think it's really interesting that um, because we're going through it collectively on a scale that, you know, in our lifetime, we've never gone through something like this where so many people are being affected, even if they're being affected in different ways, everybody's being affected at the same time. And one of the things I've found that's really interesting is people's ability to tap into empathy and recognizing, like one of the things I hear a lot from people is that they'll, we'll be, I'll be asking them how they're doing that day and, you know, just how they're doing in general. And they'll, they'll start with all of the things that they're grateful for, which is amazing. Um, you know, so a lot of people are doing that and sort of recognizing, gaining perspective that way and recognizing, I know other people are having some bigger challenges than me and, and they almost feel guilty for feeling, for feeling grateful or for having things to be grateful for. And I kind of have to coach them on, no, that's amazing. And that's wonderful. I, I had one athlete that I work with, um, or no, it was someone who was interviewing me, uh, you know, or no, this was an athlete. That's right. She was feeling a bit, um, guilty because she was able to shelter in place with some family right at the beginning of this and was feeling so grateful for the time and, and being able to have this opportunity to spend this time with her niece and nephew that she never would have had. And she felt badly for feeling good about that. And I was like, that's amazing. You absolutely 100% do not need to feel bad about that. Like it's okay um, to, you know, it's okay to experience joy in the midst of experiencing a big life challenge. And it's okay for you to experience joy while someone else is going through a more difficult time. It's okay for both of those things to happen at the same time. And, and you don't have to feel guilty for that, but it's interesting to see people's ability to tap into empathy right now and recognize that even if your stressor is different than my stressor, I see you. Like I see what you're going through and I'm thinking about you. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've, we've had conversations um, with athletes like that where they have um, felt guilty for, you know, working with a coach or having the ability to continue to maintain their relationship with their coach, you know, financially or, or, or just mm-hmm. having the, the, the kind of, you know, time to give to it and the time to give to their, their sport, um, or, or their discipline. And they've, you know, in, in looking outward, see, uh, you know, people that are struggling obviously, and, and people that have, you know, maybe, you know, much, uh, you know, th- their concern is that, you know, with all these, with, with people having, you know, such kind of serious, um, traumatic life experiences, you know, happening to them, they felt guilty being able to maintain relatively uninterrupted. We've all made, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. substantial changes to our daily lives, but, you know, they were still able to, you know, get on their trainer or run on a treadmill or, you know, and keep conversations with their coach. And yeah, I, I, there's been, um, I I think that that's been an interesting conversation. And to your point, like you can feel, you can feel both things, right? You can feel, um, you know, sad for, uh, or upset for things that are going on, but also still be joyful or find joy in things that are important to you. If you're, you know, at whatever capacity you're able to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That it doesn't discount like you feeling joy doesn't discount the suffering someone else is going through. And I think that's what we think sometimes is that like, that's, it almost feels like you feel guilty or you feel like you're being cruel in some way by experiencing joy while someone else is suffering. But at, you know, at any given point, we're all going to be suffering in some capacity while someone else is having joy and you wouldn't rob them of that. Right. So it's sometimes it helps to flip it in that way where it's like, Oh no, you're right. I wouldn't do that. So it is okay for me to experience joy right now. Right. Yeah. Um, so I want to get into, and maybe this is a, a good uh, segue. Is you know you've um, uh, you've been talking a lot about resiliency during this time period, and I think that that's um, a really valuable topic, and maybe something that on the surface isn't quite as clear or obvious in terms of you know how we actually kind of get at what it means to be resilient and and how we equip ourselves with the tools to do so. So I'd be interested for you to to just kind of um, go into to you know those conversations or, and that you've been having with people around that, and and then kind of the you know how they 
build that, I guess, toolkit or, or toolbox out to, 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 you know, bolster that resiliency. Yeah, it's, it was interesting because I, um, so, you know, before we kind of this, we realized what we were facing with the pandemic and people started going, um, sheltering in place. I had been interviewed for the book for rebound, um, for, um, from a different, a couple different places, uh, different, um, like, uh, magazines and media interviews and, um, just about the book and the injured athlete experience. And then, and then, um, those same people, reached out, ended up reaching out to me. It must've been like two months later when this, at the beginning of shelter in place and and at the very beginning where like now races are being postponed and there's a a lot of uncertainty at the beginning of that, where they had read the book to prep for these interviews. And they were like, oh my gosh. So basically everything in the book speaks exactly to what we're going through right now. And there's such an interesting parallel between the injured athlete experience and the resilience that you need to get through that recovery process. that it just, it really parallels what we're going through right now with sort of all of the unknowns and all the uncertainties and a lot of the tools in the book. I mean, the whole book is a back, it's basically like, how do you deal um, with an unexpected setback, um, an, an unforeseen challenge in front of you? And here are the tools to kind of help you navigate that. And so it was interesting that they kind of brought it to light first of like, oh, wow, yeah, these are, you know, although, you know, like, all of the mental training that I do with athletes, their life skills, in addition to skills for enhancing sport performance, but to see it reflected back like that of like your whole book's about resiliency. You just have to like now insert instead of injury, like pandemic. So (laughs) it's really, it was fascinating to just to see that. And then to start having conversations with people about it and taking some of the things that are like, here are some of the top things in the book that apply a hundred percent to what we're going through right now and helping people recognize that, that, um, like helping an endurance athlete. It's like you, you know, as an endurance athlete, you also have these incredible tools in your tool belt for dealing with, um, you know, a sustained effort. And in some ways that's exactly what we're facing. Or, or maybe you've been through an injury and you have tools that, um, are in your tool belt that helped you get through that, but we just haven't thought about applying them in this scenario. But really it's like now it's just the scenery is different, right? It's like you're in a, play and you've gone to the next scene and you and you can apply everything exactly the same but it's just now you're applying it here instead of your sport right yeah i i i do think you know and i and i think um we've probably found ourselves um you know at, from a coach's perspective having similar conversations where i think there is there there's so it's more evident now to your point that the skills that we've acquired as athletes are so um, applicable to, to, to life. And then, you know, to, to our current situation, you know, and that we, we maybe have made kind of a, a distinction in those skills, you know, like all of these, mm-hmm. you know, these skills go in the athletic box and then these skills go in the life box. But now you realize, like you said, like, it's a sustained effort, right? You just have to learn how to pace yourself and you have to breathe and you have to focus and you have to check in and, you know, how's your, how's your perceived exertion? And, you know, and, yeah. like, um, yeah. and it's no different if it's a long climb on a run or a bike, or if it's, you know, a pandemic, like you have to, to yeah. settle in. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's so similar, right? Or you're like when you're on a climb or, or, and you think that you hit the top of the climb and you realize, Oh crap, it's still, keeps going like that's yeah (laughs) there's so many parallels to being an endurance athlete right now yeah absolutely so what um what does it mean to you um to to be resilient or or or, you know when an athlete you know comes to you and says yeah you know I feel like I am not as resilient as I would like to be how how do you kind of define that and, and guide them through that Yeah, for me, resilience, I mean, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, I mean, it's applicable to everybody, every athlete, every human, really. I mean, we're really being, we're really seeing this right now and recognizing this, the ways that we're able to pivot. So one of the the ways I think about this idea of resilience is, you know, a sign of our physical fitness is say you, you know, you jump on the treadmill and sprint for a minute and how quickly your heart rate comes back to your resting heart rate might be one sign of your physical fitness. A sign of your mental fitness is, how quickly can you be thrown a curveball and adjust 
to that? Like how quickly can you accept the curveball and adjust and make the adjustment necessary to keep moving forward um, is a sign of your mental fitness. And that's all about resilience. So resilience is this, you know, can I continue to move forward um, in the face of adversity? And do I have the tools and the support to be able to deal with that? And so resilience, a lot of resilience comes from this idea of um, it, this psychological construct called hardiness. And hardiness is made up of three different components, three different traits. And those traits, your sort of level in these three different traits will um, influence your level of hardiness. And how hardy you are impacts your ability to be resilient in the face of adversity. So the three different traits are commitment. So can you continue to put one foot in front of the other in the face of a challenge? Can you keep moving forward and commit to you know, whatever it is that you're working towards, um, or whatever value you have for yourself. So commitment is one control, which is, do you believe in your ability to influence the situation in front of you? Um, so can you keep your focus on the things that are in your control and let go of the things that are out of your control and believe in your ability to influence your situation? So control is the second one. And then the third is challenge, which is, do you in general view stressors as a normal ongoing part of life. Um, and this, you know, whatever stressor that's in front of you, you see it as this is, this just, this is the challenge in front of me right now versus maybe over personalizing it or, or becoming overwhelmed by it, but looking at it as like, okay, so this, you know, this is the, the situation now, what solutions do I have? Um, so seeing, you know, this as a normal ongoing part of life. So those three traits Commitment control challenge will influence your level of hardiness, which influences your ability to be resilient when things get challenging. Hmm. Um, that's that's fascinating. I I wonder. Um, it, it seems like the and and I guess correct me if I'm wrong or, or but it seems like the challenge piece maybe is where do you, do you see that. In my, when you said that, I was like, my first thought was, I feel like that's where people get the most hung up is that, you know, you, you see, and I, I, I see this a lot with, um, or, or maybe I realize this a lot with athletes when it comes to, um, to setting goals, specifically like race goals is that you see, you know, here we are at point A and then you see the race as point B and then they draw or, or maybe we collectively as, you know, athletes, we draw a straight line. Yeah. Right. And, and what we don't realize or, or, or willing to admit is that of course it's not a straight line. It's full and fraught with, you know, potential disaster and ups and downs. Do you, do you, is that, um, uh, is that where you feel like I'm sure, you know, obviously it's mixed or I'm sure it's mixed, but do you feel like specific to athletes, maybe that challenge piece is where the kind of disruption or that breakdown and in, in resiliency comes in to play more? It can, especially if you, um, with that mindset of feeling like, um, or not accepting that that's part of the normal process, right? That like every training plan from point A to point B and every coach know this, like, you know, um, it's funny when I work with some of my endurance athletes, like they really, some of them really think, um, like they have to, you know, um, that they've failed if they're not able to follow their coach's training plan verbatim, like in the exact, um, days and times. And, um, instead of recognizing your, your body's talking to you too, and that you and your coach are actually a team and together you're trying to figure out what makes the most sense for my body and my mental and physical health right now in this moment? And is today the day to get those miles in or do I, can I put it off till tomorrow? But some people are like, no, this is intervals are on Monday. I feel like crap, but my coach says I have to do this. So it's important, you know? So yeah. they don't recognize like, oh no, like, um, no training plan is a straight line ever. Like every elite athlete will tell you that, that there's, you know, you might have some, significant sort of markers you need to meet but it's all about like how can i make create that balance between effort and recovery to make sure that i get to that point like get to be healthy and intact and in a place where i can pull out an optimal performance and um you know part of resiliency is that so a big part of resiliency is 
understanding that there is no straight line ever. There just is not a straight line. And so your ability to work on these tools of being more resilient is one of the best things you could do for your performance as an athlete, because it's not a matter of if you're going to have, you know, hit a setback, it's when. So why not have the tools to be able to know exactly what I'm going to do when it comes, not if it comes because it's coming. Um, So I think that that is a big piece of like having this mindset shift. I think one of the things that sort of ties into this is we have this like myth like this idea that at some point, you know, in front of us, there's this magical time when everything's in place. And when that day comes, I'm going to have every my, all my shit together. <laughs> like, you know, like everything's going to be in per- perfect balance. And like, that it's just this myth that we keep thinking that like somewhere out in the future is this magical time when we're not going to have these challenges, but that is not how it works. So really it's removing that um, expectation is uh is a yes you're right it's a very significant part of that resiliency piece of like taking that away like this is life challenges life and it's Mm -hmm. these challenges this challenge might go away but challenges are not going away so how do you how do you live in that space do you think I, i find myself um more and more and and honestly probably as a you know um in large part uh due to the reason that you know this podcast exists and and as i continue to to talk to people and through this through this platform i I find myself more and more talking about this you know kind of um you know process versus outcome right or process-based goals versus outcome and and Mm -hmm. how you know we you do do you find that 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 process is you know, like if you, if you come back to that, to that process and you, and you spend time kind of defining what that is for, for you, that that's, that's what helps navigate those highs and lows. Do you feel like that's an important part of resiliency, I guess, back to tie it back into that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. So one of the things that happens for some people, not for everybody, but for some people, when, when you're just setting outcome goals and not process goals, it can, um, so much of the outcome goal is out of your control. Um, and so it's, it's this interesting, it's like the hardest thing to do, but the, but the, one of the best things you can do for your performance is to let go of the outcome goal, um, and focus on the process goals. And then you're more likely to get the outcome that you want, because what it does for you is it keeps you focused in the moment. So in that way, it helps with resilience because it helps you stay connected to the things that are in your control right at that moment in time so that you're making decisions um you know quickly in and making adjustments quickly in order to continue moving forward so a lot of times especially when you get to the top levels like it's everybody comes to the table with the same skills and the same fitness and the and the difference might you know the difference might be who has a cold that day or the difference is um who is able to make those adjustments more quickly and that has everything to do with resilience. So, um, so that idea of process goals, if you're in that space, you're going to make those adjustments more quickly because it helps you stay in the moment. Whereas if you're only setting outcome goals and something happens in the middle of your race or in the middle of your training day, that doesn't, that you, your brain has decided has, doesn't fit the expectation. You see obstacles instead of solutions. Um, in in that moment, and so it's. A, however, I will say for some of my athletes, um, you know, outcome goals help drive them. Mm-hmm. It helps them with the commitment piece. So it depends. It just depends on um, one of the things I help athletes kind of realize is that everybody has a different operating manual, and we're going to figure out what yours is um, in order for you to have optimal performance. And you don't need to worry about what the guy next to you or the girl next to you. Um, what their operating manual is, because that has nothing to do with you. So let's figure out yours and t- and tap into that and find your sweet spot to be able to harness your optimal performance. Because um, we're we're just masters at getting in our own way. <laughs> the part of my job is to help people get out of their own way. Yeah. Do um, how do you? Because it seems maybe now more apparent than, than ever and maybe it's 
I, I think it's probably, you know, twofold one we were talking about it more but two it's that the you know the outcome side of things um they've more or less been just taken from from many athletes you know certainly in the yeah in the the nearer term and then who knows what will happen with the long term so how do you help athletes since since everyone does have that different operating manual how do you help athletes or what's your advice for athletes to help find what those process pieces are you know i i think uh, i'm talking to a lot of athletes or i think you know collectively you know as a um as a community as an endurance sports community where we're seeing a lot of athletes feeling kind of left high and dry right because mm-hmm. they've they've always been able to um uh, for better or for worse sink their teeth into the to the outcome um goals but now that that you know is not an option they're kind of feeling like they're you know lost and not quite sure so yeah what's your you know how do you guide athletes in in discovering and figure out figuring out what those more nuanced kind of aspects of their goals are yeah it's been coming up um in a couple of the webinars i've done where that people are struggling with exactly that especially the endurance athletes where it's like i don't i don't know what i'm training for now right like everything is sort of on hold and I'm, and I, and especially the, the athletes out there that you're, um, you know, you, you race to train. And so now without the race, they're exactly what you're saying, feeling a little bit lost and not really having the motivation to work out because they don't know what to work out for. And so that's the mindset shift that has to happen with this idea of, um, so one of the most important things that I, you know, that kind of comes from rebound that I've been telling people applies right now is how critical it is to take the time to deliberately adjust your goals. Because what happens is that if you haven't done that, gone through that process of adjusting your goals, you're, there's part of you there's part of you like mentally and emotionally that's still connected to that original expectation that you had for yourself this season. And so until you go through this process of deliberately adjusting the goal of like, that's not the goal anymore. Now my goal is X, um, especially if this is how you operate and you know this about yourself. If you're, if you're really struggling right now with like, I don't, I'm lost. I don't know. I don't have no motivation to work out. Um, you need to adjust your goals so that you have a clear, a now a clear vision and expectation of what it is that your, what the purpose is of your training. Because without that purpose, that's what's missing for those athletes that are struggling is the, is that kind of the context and the thing that holds it, holds it together. And that's your purpose. And so, so, I mean, there's a few different ways that people are pivoting with that. Um, one is, um, you know, another thing we talk about in the book is uh, what I work, I call it obstacles to opportunities. Um, so where is the opportunity right now? So we were thrown a big fat obstacle, right, of having to shelter in place. And a lot of people, you know, races in entire seasons for some people getting canceled. And um, so huge obstacle in front of you. Um, so where, you know, and the way we define, like, I'm really big on language and language is important. And the way we define a situation in front of us influences how we feel about that situation, our thoughts about that situation, our emotions around that situation, and what solutions we are able to even see and recognize. And so when we look at the situation in front of us and go, oh man, this sucks, then there's a whole, it, that cu- creates a filter for everything that you're able to see and your behavior because it influences your self-talk, your internal dialogue and your emotions. So if you're able to shift then to, oh man, this is going to be hard. That's a, that language is a different way to define the situation. And then same thing with like, oh, this is going to be a challenge. It's another subtle shift that, you know, each one of those ways of defining it creates that filter Um, that influences how you see the situation in front of you and what you do because of how you're able to see the situation in front of you. So in this situation of like, well, where's the opportunity? Um, And this is, again, kind of the mental fitness piece of like, how quickly can I adjust to the reality that's in front of me? Your reality is different. Those races are not there. So since they're not there, what, what is the opportunity? that I have now because they're not there instead of just seeing, and that's the control piece. Like I can only see the things that I can't do versus like, all right, I can't do that, but what can I do? 
Um, and the opportunity might be different. Maybe it's training, but for some, some of my elite athletes, like that were preparing for the Olympics, they're, they've never experienced anything like this before where they're like, huh, I think I'm going to start a garden. <laughs> you know, like yeah, right. They're just able to do stuff that have nothing to do with their training. That's like such an incredible opportunity. So maybe your opportunity is in a different area than where you've been looking. But that being said, other people are using the opportunity to like, they're doing more strength training because they wouldn't normally do that right now in their training cycle or, you know, they're working on mobility or um, flexibility. So thinking about, okay, that goal has gone. What is my goal? And being deliberate about resetting the goal. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it sounds, you know, I think one of the, we've been hearing a lot of people, myself included, um, say, you know, on, on various, you know, platforms and, and wherever else that, you know, now's the time to, to, you know, quote unquote, you know, you work on your limiters or we pivot or, you know, you refine or define the, the process. And it, it sounds like, you know, what you just described is really how we go about doing those things. I feel like for a lot of athletes, um, those, those terms are, are, you know, kind of, you know, clusters of words maybe were, uh, were a little ambiguous, you know, like, yeah, okay, great. But like, but how, how do I work on a limiter, right? What is a limiter? I mean, do you, is that, do you, um, am I right in thinking that, that, that kind of, you know, you, the process you just, uh, described and, and defined is really how an athlete would go about kind of moving the needle on, on those things that, you know, are kind of like on the macro scale. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the way you pivot. Yeah, exactly. Right. Although I will say with that, with the caveat of, you know, how some of my athletes are looking at, well, what else could I do? What it's the opportunity that maybe is not necessarily performance related. Cause some people are finding too, depending on your situation, um, there are some people that are experiencing really high levels of anxiety, um, so if you, if you're someone that already experiences anxiety, this has been, I hear you and I see you, and this has been a challenging time, um, for a lot of people, if that's, um, something that you struggle with. And so I also have athletes that are like really struggling with energy and motivation and that it's not necessarily cause they don't have the beacon, right? They don't have like the carrot in front of them that they know what they're working towards. It has more to do with your central nervous system is tapped because we are under higher levels of life stress. And so this might not be the time to work on your limiters. If you're, if, and this is again, where it comes back to the individual and your operating manual and you might have to, your challenge in front of you might be to accept this isn't the time. Even if the space is here and the time is here central because of my levels of stress, um, this is not the time to work on the limiters. And we do know too, through research that, when you are experiencing higher levels of life stress, you're at higher risk for injury. Now that's not to say that like, you know, um, it's not like a, um, if then formula, right. Where it's like a guarantee, but it's, um, there's enough research out there where I can tell you personally, when I know that I have higher levels of stress, I, I'm, I take that into very serious consideration when I'm thinking about what my workout is even that day. So, um, because of that, so, you know, it's okay. Uh, people, I've seen people, some people fall into this trap of like, (laughs) like this, like pressure to be productive during this time, especially if you're not able to work where it's like, no, you don't, don't put that pressure on yourself. If it feels good, awesome. Go for it. Like use this time. Cause it is a, a, you know, there are some beautiful opportunities, but don't put pressure on yourself because that's just going to work against you. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I, I, I've seen that happen. So, um, you know, as athletes, um, so often there's, like you said, there's this, this, um, there's a, a pressure to, to be productive and this kind of idea, even though it's not, it's not rooted in, you know, this is not the way the body works, but that like every day you should be more fit than yesterday. Right. That, mm-hmm. that if you know, right. that you can't, you can't go backwards. Right. Um, and this current time period, I think has really amplified that for a lot yeah. of athletes. Um, what do you, you know? Uh, yeah, I guess what's, what's your advice for, um, 
and I know it's, you know, or I, I imagine it's very different depending on, but let's say it's, you know, uh, um, an athlete who is dealing with these heightened levels of anxiety and, and is feeling very pressured to constantly move forward, you know, whether it's from a, uh, you know, a fitness perspective or workouts or, you know, progressive training plan, what's, what do you tell those athletes to try to help them find some perspective, uh, I guess would be maybe what they're looking for or, or the hope is that they could find that. What, how, how do you help those folks? Yeah, it's challenging. I think um, there's a few different dynamics going on. One is our greater, the greater cultural dynamic of we're very much um, about being productive culturally and like, and always in drive mode and kind of adopting this philosophy. If, if you aren't moving forward, that means you're moving backwards. And, um, and that's the thing that we need to change because mm-hmm. every piece of research points to the fact that that's not true in every area in business Mm -hmm. in athletics like but there's something about this cultural mindset that we've just been hooked by um this that we always have to be in drive mode and if we're not moving forward it means we're falling behind and so um but that that's actually not true um and i so that one piece is is and you know so if you're if we have that greater cultural dynamic and then we also add in the endurance athlete mindset that some people have of that same philosophy of like if i'm not training today that means i'm going backwards in my fitness and in my um and with my goals and maybe pushing yourself on a day where you're not meant to understanding that that decision is the thing that sets you back further and it's really hard to wrap your head around that um around that idea that um, you have to recalibrate completely. Like your instrument is off if you're, if you're hooked into that mindset and, and understanding that it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. And and so, because somebody else is in a different place and they have a different operating manual and they might be able to take this time to pivot in a way and, um, and work on something, but that doesn't mean that you're them doing that. This is where people get tripped up as they is through this comparison process where they think them doing that means I'm falling behind. That's not what that means. That means they're doing their thing and you do your thing. And what do you need to do right now in order to take care of yourself physically and mentally? And it might be something different. Um, but getting out of that mindset of moving forward doesn't always mean you're moving forward, right? Sometimes you moving forward means you're actually moving backwards. One of the things I tell my injured athletes is sometimes, um, I mean, and this is true for people right now, that a true sign of your mental toughness, if you're an athlete, we know you can push through. If you're an endurance athlete, we know you can push through. What really tests your mental toughness is can you pull back? Because that's the thing that's much harder for for athletes to do is when I'm feeling really good or I'm excited to go after it or I'm feeling pressure because, you know, the person next to me is doing this. That means I should be on, you know, Peloton and Zwift and like whatever it is. Um, You know, can I say, that's awesome. I'm stoked for you. I'm going to go do my thing. And that both of those things are okay. It's kind of that same, like, it's okay to hold onto both emotions at the same time. Like, it's okay to make your own choice that you know is right for your body and your recovery. And that choice might be different than the person next to you. And that's, and there's nothing wrong with that, that both of those choices are okay. That's such a challenging thing. I think for a lot of athletes to find that balance between, um, you know, there's those days when you should really take a take a miss right you should rest you should yep. and then there's those days when maybe there's value in pushing through and you know if you i've always i've always said um with with, with several caveats around this but you know if you if you wait for the perfect day you'll be waiting a long time right mm-hmm. it's yep. hard to get all the stars to align as an athlete or you know as it relates specifically to like executing a workout but there is that there's a lot of nuance in in that, right? That there, and I think that that figuring out what that looks like for each individual athlete or for athletes to figure that out for themselves takes, um, that's a big step in kind of athletic maturity, right? To feel like you can take a day off and know how to kind of oscillate between those days that 
maybe don't feel a hundred percent, but you know, you know that it's, it's, you should, you know, it's a good day to show up and a good day to do what you can or do your best. And then those days when you maybe, you know, you really do need to, to let training take, take a backseat. And, um, I don't know, do you, do you find the same, is, do you, yeah, do you, do you, you know, have the same experience or kind of see the same thing with, with athletes that this, you know, we're always kind of in this like juxtaposition of like, you know, you have to kind of, you know, fitness follows fatigue, but, but not too much. Right. Because then you're, <laughs> right. then, you're over, then you're burnout or overtrained. I don't know. What do you, what do you, like, are you seeing that? Or is that, am I, am I right in thinking that? Or should I, should I, <laughs> should I be telling yeah. people uh, totally different? Uh, if I, have I been given wrong advice for like uh, you know, <laughs> 15 years now? Right. Well, Taylor, um, no, <laughs> no, no I mean, listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, um, it's challenging. It's so fascinating too, but it's, I think part of it is people, when you have the real data in front of you to understand in this moment, the, the best training decision I can make for myself is actually to take the day off. And some people need to see um, you know, the, the physiological sort of parameters to understand, and this is why. So it's, so it's, it's hard as an athlete and you're, and you have that competitive drive. Um, it's hard on those days and especially when you want to, right. And you're just like, ah, but I want to work out. It's hard sometimes to make that decision. Like today's not the day to do that. So I think, um, you know, with, with some athletes where I really see them starting to understand their body and really hit their stride, especially like my runners and my endurance athletes. And this is, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting this from them because my, my expertise is on the mental piece, not the physical piece. But when they're really, their mindset shift is around this idea of like, um, here are the most important, here are my big workouts for the week that I have to get in, but I'm going to be taking in my data to understand What's my body doing? And is today the best day for that and having to shift? And that's the part that's hard. I think for some people is like, not everybody has that luxury. If you're not a professional athlete and you're working around your schedule, it's you're making training decisions within this, within parameters that work the best for you. And so I, I think that's the thing I see people get tripped up on sometimes is um, feeling like, well, yeah, you know, if I had all the time in the world, or if I was able to do this or do that, um, sure, I could be better. And that's true. That is true. But that's not your life, right? So it's, you don't need to worry about that. What you want to worry about is like, where does my sport fit into my life? And it's, you know, your sport is, it's meant to provide you with, um, it's meant to add to your life, not take away from it and be a stressor. So if it's not adding to your life at all, it's time to pull back and figure out what place does this have and and where do I need to shift my mindset? Cause this is, it's, it's not even enjoyable anymore. Right. So you don't want to get burned out to the point where I I'm done. Like, I don't want, I, I don't want to see my bike ever again or whatever it is, but so it's just a, um, it's a really interesting balance. This idea of like, especially with, you know, if you have that high competitive drive to wrap your head around this idea, of, it's not just about, um, pushing yourself. It's about being smart about your training decisions, which is why you guys, you know, why you get a coach to be able to help you see that stuff, um, and, and help you navigate those decisions. But also remember you're a part, you, the athlete are a part of that coaching team. And I think sometimes athletes don't recognize it's okay for them to go to their coach and say, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like this. What do you think about this adjustment and have a conversation? I think sometimes they don't always realize it's okay to do that. And that your coaches, if you have got a great coach, they want you to do that. They can't be inside your body. They can never be inside your body and they rely on you for that. So it's okay to talk to your coaches about that. Like they want to have that information. Yeah. Yeah. I I always, uh, I always tell my athletes that I'm, I'm always much more happy when they come to me and say like, hey, today's not the day. I'm taking a, I'm taking a miss. I'm going to rest. Versus when they, I'm, I'm happier when that happens than when they hit a big workout. <laughs> like, because yeah, yeah. that, that to me, and not that the you know a big workout isn't great, but that to me shows 
you know, it shows a level of, you know, athletic maturity. It shows a lot of comfort with their athletic identity or security with that identity. It shows, you know, a strength in, you know, our relationship as a, you know, between a coach and an athlete, um, you know, it's it, versus, you know, big workout is, is great. But, you know, I also wrote that workout for them to be successful. So when it goes well, you know, it's not like, it's not like a huge surprise. You're like, oh, great. Like that went as well as we thought it was going to, or hoped it was going to. Um, but yeah, on the other side, you know, when they're like, Hey, you know, today's not the day I'm always like, yes, like music to my ears, go rest, do something else. Um, I'm also always a big advocate of, you know, I think, um, athletes in particular, or maybe to your point earlier about kind of culturally, we have this mindset that we have to kind of ring out, you know, every last drop, you know, from every single day or, you know, from Mm -hmm. our kind of productivity, you know, well, or, or whatever. Um, and, and I'm always, you know, a, an advocate specifically with athletes that let's, even if they're willing to give more, I want to be very stingy with that resource. Right. Mm-hmm. And that I say like, Hey, I appreciate that, you know, you, th- you think you can give, and these are, these are for non-professional athletes that, you know, have to work and manage all the things that, that we all have to manage, um, on a given day. You know, like, hey, I appreciate that you are willing to give, you know, 15 or 20 hours a week, but I'm I'm not going to take that reason, you know, like, let's hold off on that, right? Like, I'd rather you mm-hmm. spend more time uh, resting or with family, because like you said, I think that balance is really key. And it just because you can give it all doesn't mean that you have to, but or that mm-hmm. you should, because it, I've found that it tends to create a pretty short life, life time in the sport right that you you're kind of in and out or boom and bust because you you kind of went in and blew it up do you feel like uh, do you do the same thing or feel like that you know that's for longevity's sake it's better to kind of I mean pace yourself I guess that seems pretty obvious when I say it but it, it it is it seems it is challenging I think for athletes right they they they're like okay if I can get if I can get this result with some if mm-hmm. I give more, I'll get more result. But I am always kind of, you know, pushing back on that or holding back on the reins and saying, hey, let's be really um, stingy or, you know, with this resource because it's it only lasts so long. And, you know, I, I'm, I'd rather than be in the sport for their lifetime or for, you know, 10 seasons versus one season. I don't know if mm-hmm. you, you, you think there's what are your thoughts on that? I guess again, yeah. I, more, more just to make sure that I'm not giving shitty advice. To- no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I do think it like, it depends on the individual. Right. So it's, I, you know, I always, I come back to that a lot. Like it is, um, we just, so to a certain degree, it depends on the individual. However, um, there can be something to that, it, um, that idea of, uh, thinking about how, what's the appropriate amount um, of bandwidth to allow this part of my life to take up? So what's interesting about what you're talking about is, you know, um, when you have a high athletic identity um, and some, and there's a part of your self-worth that's tied into that. And we all have different ways where we, you know, sort of have these different identities where we might have some of our self-worth connected to. And so, you know, one of the challenges with it, um, if you get injured as an athlete, if you have a high athletic identity, it can be really devastating uh, because it kind of, you go through this process of feeling like, well, who am I if I can't do my sport anymore, especially when it's part of your life. And so recognizing that you're not your sport, your sport is what you do. It's not who you are. And same with your work. So for a lot of people, it's not, maybe it's not the sport where they get hooked. It's their career. Um, and there, or maybe they put it's at their role as a parent and they put a tremendous amount of pressure on themselves in that way. So wherever you're like the highest part of your identity is, and that's the place where we sometimes will put more pressure on ourselves. And if we are, um, the way I think about it is like, it's kind of like, um, spokes in a wheel, right? So you're by like when you're, if you're a cyclist and say you take your bike, your bike into the shop and you, you need to true your wheel, right? So truing your wheel, I know you guys all know this, but like truing your wheel is like, I need to make sure that my wheel is in balance. And one of the ways they do that is to, is all of the spokes have to have equal tension. And if any of them have more or less tension, 
you're going to get wheel wobble and your wheel isn't true. It's not going to roll straight. So this is, I mean, it's a perfect sort of metaphor for life of, of if there's any part of your identity that has more attention, you're going to have wheel wobble. Um, and so that's not to say like, there's also this myth that at any given point, we're going to have all the aspects of our life are going to be in, in perfect, equal um, balance. And like, that's mm-hmm. another big fat myth. But um, <laughs> if, that being said, if one's really tight, right? So if you have a really high athletic identity or a really high, um, you know, um, identity as in your career, your job, where it's like, it's not just what you do, but you've now integrated into who you are. When something, um, you that's where you might, you have a higher likelihood of maybe burning out if you're going all in in that place um, without some of the other things balancing it out. Or you can do that for a certain length of time, but at some point, you're going to get to a point where you're going to have to change your relationship to your sport or to your job or whatever it is. So there is some some truth to that idea of... Um, you know, of longevity and, and what are, are, is your wheel true? Like, are there other areas of your life that you're putting energy into so that, you know, when something doesn't go well in your sport, it doesn't devastate you where that's where I see people potentially burning out is if there's a high athletic identity and they don't have those other areas kind of tapped into, um, and something doesn't go well in that area, then that's where you see whether or not the person might burn out. It's how they deal with a setback in the area where they have a high identity. Yeah, that's, um, that's so fascinating. I think that, um, as you know, as a coach, I really, um, try to help athletes find that balance, but I think it's one of the places too, where I've, um, you know, evolved and matured the most as, as a coach and an athlete, right? Like understanding that that balance, um, is so critical or, or to your point, And I think that metaphor is awesome. Like that, that tension, um, aspect that, you know, yeah, you, everything kind of needs to be equal. And if you throw too much tension or, or pressure or load on, on one area or one spoke that, you know, everything gets wobbly and, and, and weird. Um, and it's not, it seems like, um, do, do you feel like th- that can be a hard thing to, to, to sort out or to, to notice, um, before things go sideways? Yeah. Um, you know, like how do you see, do you see that like that? Or I guess, how do you help people get ahead of that? Cause like, you know, we, we can talk about that. And certainly I talk about that with that, you know, and, but it's when things are going well, it's hard to kind of to, to grasp that or, or, or figure out if the balance is or isn't correct. Um, yeah. What's, what's like, how do how do we figure that out before we're basically like doing it retroactively after something right. gotten really, gotten really bad. <laughs> the wheels fallen off entirely. Yeah. Exactly. And it, you know, it's funny because oftentimes we, <clears throat> we have to learn that way. Like there's some lessons that we're just not going to get because we all have blind spots and we all have just like, um, you know, ways it, it, there's just certain times when you're not going to get the lesson until that wheel falls off. And then you realize, Oh crap. Okay. I got to change something. This is not going to work. So, um, so oftentimes we are more reactive versus proactive. And sometimes you have that has to happen before you get to the point where you can recognize like, oh, I got to be proactive about this to prevent this from happening instead of just putting out fires when they happen. Um, and so part of that is, re- is really figuring out your like self-awareness around how you operate and where your um, like where your slippery slope is. And can you catch yourself way before that point? Uh, so one of the exercises I do with a lot of my athletes is a, um, I call it, I call it a traffic light and there's, 
Um, you know, there's certain times where it's like, everything feels amazing. I'm in my green light. I feel confident. I feel strong. Things are like, I am on fire. Everything's fantastic. And then red light is like, I don't know what happened. The entire world fell apart. I, it, it was the worst race of my life. Like sometimes I'm doing it specific to racing. And then sometimes it's more kind of this recovery piece or this resilience piece. Um, but a lot of times, and a lot of times they think, I don't know, I was in my green light and then I was on my red and I have no idea what happened, Carrie. But really there's this whole yellow light where there's all kinds of stuff happening there where you can catch things. And, and so a lot of this mental training work has to do with figuring out is this self-awareness piece of like, what's my operating manual? Can I catch myself in that yellow light in that moment? And then do I have the tools to get myself back to the green? Right. Cause it's not, you're not going to live in the green. It's just not, it's not how life works. Um, but that, but you can a hundred percent figure out how to catch yourself in the yellow light and, and implement things that you know keep you in the green yellow area on a higher percentage of time than in the red. Um, so it's, um, and it's, it's just, it's so funny. It's so hard for sometimes for us to hold on to that truth. And I think one of the things that happens is if you do it enough and you feel the benefit of it, of being proactive in that way and seeking out that balance and listening uh, to, you know, how you're responding in those times, um, and trusting that it's, it's doing that enough times where you start to recognize, oh, this is what's true. Um, and I need, and I need to trust that. I need to trust that when these things are in place, I do a better job. My wheel is more true and I do a better job. And then have the tools for it to know what to do when the wheel does fall off, because that's going to happen too. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. 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 The, the idea that I mean, that's a great point. Cause I think the way that I kind of presented the question was that we could, we can go through life if we have the tools and keep the wheels on. And I, I you know, inevitably the wheels will fall off, right. It's not, it's not if, but when, so I think that's a great, um, <laughs> that's a, that's an important realization and, and a great point that, that you bring up that, yeah, you know, we can do our best at then, but at the end of the day, like some, some lessons are, are, you know, best learned the hard way, right. When we're, when, uh, when, when things are, are catastrophic or go completely. Right. <laughs> so, um, that's, uh, that's great. I think, um, yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome, uh, analogy, uh, uh, the traffic light analogy to, to wrap up on any, uh, any, any parting words of, uh, of wisdom or advice, uh, sage, uh, or otherwise for people, <laughs> uh, people out there dealing uh, with, uh, with everything that's going on. Oh man. I think the biggest thing right now is to the one that I keep coming back to for myself personally is to just like as much as you can. Um, my, my personal mantra right now is compassion and kindness and grace. Um, so just the ability to have grace with yourself and with others right now, because we are under higher levels of stress than normal and, and kind of recognizing that and that you're not going to do everything perfect during this time or ever. (laughs) So just the idea of having grace with yourself period, um, and recognizing that you're human and that things aren't always going to go exactly the way you planned or, um, you're going to make mistakes. But when you are able to have grace with yourself, you, uh, you know, it just, it really helps during a time like this. So doing that for yourself is critical right now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And, yeah, everybody, um, just, uh, yeah, you know, take, take it easy on yourself. Do, do what you can do to, to move forward and then, you know, go to sleep and rest up and try to tackle the other stuff tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, well, thanks, Carrie. I'm uh, super appreciative of, uh, of your time. Thanks for being on the show again. And, uh, we look forward to, uh, to chatting with you again down the road. Sounds good. My pleasure.